from the studios of Fractal Recording, this is The Mystic Show, episode 115. Welcome to The Mystic Show. I'm your host, Chris Curran, and I'm happy you're able to join me. I'm happy to be able to do this show. You know, on this show we talk about spirituality and mindfulness and meditation, and also a lot about how to implement these higher values and ideas into our lives. Uh, The purpose of this show is just that. It's for you and I to have a place and time to talk about things that are really important. And when we put these things into practice, they can really change our lives. And that's the purpose of this show. We release new episodes every Friday morning. And uh, you can hear the show as a podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or on our website, themysticshow.net. And you can also sign up for behind-the-scenes emails. Mmm. Little special tidbits from behind the scenes of The Mystic Show. And all about my preparation and more details about my journey. Because, you know, I, I talk a little bit about my spiritual journey on the show, but I don't go too much into it because... Um, that's not what the show's about. So, um, anyhow, um, I'd also like to thank Pause Your Life, which is our sponsor, Pause Your Life. They facilitate meetups and retreats, and there's a spring retreat coming up the first weekend in May 2015. So, the website is pauseyourlife.org. Pause Your Life, because sometimes our lives get too crazy, and you just have to hit the pause button. You know, do you ever feel like you just needed a vacation, but you just got back from vacation, (laughs) right? So in this episode, the plan is we're going to continue reading from our James Allen book. The the section for this episode is really special. And um, I'm also, if we hopefully will have time, I want to read a little section at the end from our 365 Dow book. Um, But first, I want to start out by... Just mentioning a couple of things um, happened in this past week since the last episode of The Mystic Show. Actually, we were lucky enough to welcome um, my spiritual guide to New Jersey, which is where we're recording this and broadcasting from. He visited New Jersey. He's still here, actually. And we got to have a national gathering with about almost... 1200 people and it was three days and we had a lot of group meditations and it was you know within driving distance of me so I mean what a blessing there's no other way to say it what a blessing because 
you know, a lot of times on our spiritual journey, we start to think, you know, it, it becomes difficult and it feels like you're doing it all on your own and you don't have any help. You know, even the people who are there to help us at times, they're not able to help. So when an opportunity like this comes, it's very, very special because the meditations that we have with the spiritual guide are just different. They're, they're just different. Has, has to be experienced. And that's kind of what I wanted to relay to you is, um, by the way, this gathering with almost 1,200 people was organized literally in four days. It was very spontaneous, and it just goes to show when a lot of people come together, they can make big things happen quickly. And it also underscores this idea of spontaneity. You know, I think, especially in America here, we live, you know, we have our calendar, everything's scheduled. If something comes up out of the blue, it's it's an issue. It can be stressful. If something is canceled, we might be upset. So this idea of being spontaneous is very natural. And it's, you know, of course, being natural is congruent with living a spiritual life, right? So spontaneity is important. Maybe we'll talk about spontaneity in more detail. But speaking of spontaneity, it was yesterday in the afternoon, I got a text message saying, oh, we're going to have group meditation at the ashram in New Jersey at in the evening. So I had like five hours notice. And so I had to figure out how I was going to get there, who I was going to pick up. And it worked out really well. We got to go to the ashram and have a, a group meditation, which we call satsang. And our spiritual guide was there. And I actually uh, was got to speak with him briefly. And he was speaking with all of us for probably an hour. Very nice, informal talk about real world issues, how to implement this stuff. Very, very helpful. And you'll be happy to know that I asked him if he had a message for listeners of The Mystic Show. Yes, I asked him this. And he said yes. And he proceeded to to give me a message, uh, a little, little message, a little idea, and I wanted to pass it along. Um, and it has to do with knowledge and experience. So on our spiritual journey, you know, we, we gain a lot of knowledge or some, at least some knowledge, you know, we read books, we talk to other people, you know, you listen to the mystic show, you hear James Allen's words, um, you know, you meet with local people and you find out what they're doing and, you know, Maybe you watch some YouTube videos. I just started watching one about uh, Rumi. It was a really interesting, sort of like a documentary on Rumi. So we tend to amass knowledge on our spiritual journey. And then, you know, but the important thing on our journey is really not knowledge. The important thing is our experience. Because it's one thing to know about something or talk about something, but in order for us to, you know, 
grow spiritually, we have to experience something. We have to sit down and meditate, or we have to try some of the knowledge that we learn. We have to try it in our lives and experience. What did it do? What happened? How do I feel? So experience is is the is the important thing. It, well, let's put it this way. Experience is much more valuable than knowledge. But experience is not where it ends. Experiencing something is great. But the next step is to become. To become what we have to become. Uh, which is to become divinized. You know, we've I've mentioned this before. You know, becoming divinized is what happens to us on our spiritual journey. We become more like the divine. So what does that mean? Becoming more like the divine. Well, think about the divine or God or whatever you want to think about. It's unconditional love. It's impartiality. It's patience, purity, and a lot of other things too. I'm just naming a few. Um, Total lack of selfishness. You know, the universe is not selfish at all. (laughs) The universe gives us everything. It keeps giving and giving and giving. And even if you squander what the universe gives you, it keeps giving. So becoming divinized is the next step. So first we have knowledge. Second, we have experience. And third, we have becoming. And the, the experiencing and the becoming is very, very important. So the, the analogy that he gave me was this idea of paper money. You know, we, we have dollar bills and $10 bills and $100 bills, right? We have paper money, but the paper itself is not worth that much, right? It's what it's really worth is represented by the gold that backs that money, right? So the knowledge, knowledge that we gain is sort of like the paper money and the experiences that we have is what backs up that knowledge and makes it worth something. So if we have a bunch of knowledge, if we have a bunch of paper money, but it's not backed by any gold, it's literally worthless. It's like paper. And it's not even good paper because you can't even write on it. It's all colored and printed on already. So the knowledge we have becomes valuable when we back it with experience. So without experiencing something, knowledge has almost no value. And of course, this is the mistake that many people make, you know, in the spiritual realm because they want to read books and they want to intellectualize things and philosophize and debate and argue but they never get down to the business of experiencing. And that's much more important than knowledge. And so then the next step, we have to take it to the level of becoming divinized. You know, without becoming divinized, what good are experiences? Okay, let's say you meditate, you have all these wonderful experiences, but you're still the same rotten old person. You know, what good is it? It's not that it doesn't mean much at all. So on our journey, we have to keep in mind the real object 
our goal is to become something, become divinized, become like the great saints of this world. Each of us has the potential to become that. And that's what the spiritual guides are trying to teach us, how to become that. It's not about knowledge. You know, you need a little bit of knowledge, okay. But then move on to experiencing, and then once you experience some things, move on to becoming. And the, the spiritual guides are here to help us. And if you, you're ready for the help, you'll definitely experience it. So it's a very valuable message that we don't, you know, get stuck on knowledge. That's why a lot of times if you ask the spiritual guide a question, he might not answer because it's probably not important. <laughs> and if we can realize that, wow, that that means a lot. So, so next up, we're going to read from our James Allen book, but let's first take a quick break and, and ruminate on that. Okay, welcome back to The Mystic Show. And that little musical interlude is, by the way, it's one of the pieces that I created with my little software here on on my one computer. Um, And if you'd like to consider supporting The Mystic Show so more people can benefit from this material, there are several ways. You can share each episode on your social media, like Facebook and Twitter, Um, You can also give the show a rating and a review in iTunes or Stitcher. And the third way is you can contribute a dollar or two or three per episode on an ongoing basis to help us continue to produce the show. And if you go to the right side of our website, which is themysticshow.net, there's an image that says, please consider supporting the Mystic Show. You can click on that and get all the details. There's all kinds of cool rewards and stuff that are available as well. Really interesting stuff. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into it more than that because then it'll sound like a real heavy duty commercial. So let's get back into reading from our James Allen book. Uh, the book itself is called From Poverty to Power. It was published in 1901. It was actually James Allen's first book. And some say, well, many people, especially back then, said that it was his best book. Um, I think it's quite a bit longer than most of his other books or all of his other books as well. And we're reading from a section called, what's this section called? The Realization of Selfless Love. So this is really good. This is the second part of this little section. So let's um, let's get into this. And by the way, if you're if you're driving or something, listening to this, obviously you have to drive. 
But if you're sitting at home or if you're somewhere where you can close your eyes and just relax and really relax and just listen, you know, let, let go, let loose. Um, that's always very helpful. So, so let's get into it. The realization of selfless love. Only that love that seeks no personal gratification or reward, that does not make distinctions, and that leaves behind no heartaches, can be called divine. Men clinging to self and to the comfortless shadows of evil are in the habit of thinking of divine love as something belonging to a God who is out of reach as something outside themselves and that must forever remain outside. Truly, the love of God is ever beyond the reach of self. But when the heart and mind are emptied of self, then the selfless love, the supreme love, the love that is of God or good, becomes an inward and abiding reality. And this inward realization of holy love is none other than the love of Christ that is so much talked about and so little comprehended. The love that not only saves the soul from sin, but lifts it also above the power of temptation. But how may one attain to this sublime realization? The answer which truth has always given and will ever give to this question is Empty thyself and I will fill thee. Divine love cannot be known until self is dead for self is the denial of love. And how can that which is known be also denied? Not until the stone of self is rolled away from the sepulchre of the soul does the immortal Christ, the pure spirit of love, hitherto crucified, dead, and buried, cast off the bands of ignorance and come forth in all the majesty of his resurrection. You believe that the Christ of Nazareth was put to death and rose again. I do not say you err in that belief. But if you refuse to believe that the gentle spirit of love is crucified daily upon the dark cross of your selfish desires, then, I say, you err in this unbelief and have not yet perceived, even afar off, the love of Christ. You say that you have tasted of salvation in the love of Christ. Are you saved from your temper, your irritability, your vanity, your personal dislikes, your judgment and condemnation of others? If not, from what are you saved? And wherein have you realized the transforming love of Christ? He who has realized the love that is divine has become a new man and has ceased to be swayed and dominated by the old elements of self. He is known for his patience, 
his purity, his self-control, his deep charity of heart, and his unalterable sweetness. Divine or selfless love is not a mere sentiment or emotion. It is a state of knowledge which destroys the dominion of evil and the belief in evil and lifts the soul into the joyful realization of the supreme good. To the divinely wise, knowledge and love are one and inseparable. It is toward the complete realization of this divine love that the whole world is moving. It was for this purpose that the universe came into existence. And every grasping at happiness, every reaching out of the soul toward objects, ideas, and ideals, is an effort to realize it. But the world does not realize this love at present because it is grasping at the fleeting shadow and ignoring, in its blindness, the substance. And so suffering and sorrow continue and must continue until the world, taught by its self-inflicted pains, discovers the love that is selfless, the wisdom that is calm and full of peace. And this love, this wisdom, this peace, this tranquil state of mind and heart may be attained to, may be realized by all who are willing and ready to yield up self and who are prepared to humbly enter into a comprehension of all that the giving up of self involves. There is no arbitrary power in the universe, and the strongest chains of fate by which men are bound are self-forged. Men are chained to that which causes suffering because they desire to be so, because they love their chains because they think their little dark prison of self is sweet and beautiful. And they are afraid that if they desert that prison, they will lose all that is real and worth having. And the indwelling power which forged the chains and built around itself the dark and narrow prison can break away when it desires and wills to do so. And the soul does will to do so when it has discovered the worthlessness of its prison, when long-suffering has prepared it for the reception of the boundless light and love. As the shadow follows the form, as the smoke comes after fire, so effect follows cause. And suffering and bliss follow the thoughts and deeds of men. There is no effect in the world around us but has its hidden or revealed cause. And that cause is in accordance with absolute justice. Men reap a harvest of suffering because in the near or distant past they have sown the seeds of evil. 
they reap a harvest of bliss also as a result of their own sowing the seeds of good. Let a man meditate upon this. Let him strive to understand it. And he will then begin to sow only seeds of good and will burn up the tares and weeds which he has formerly grown in the garden of his heart. The world does not understand the love that is selfless because it is engrossed in the pursuit of its own pleasures and cramped within the narrow limits of perishable interests. Mistaking, in its ignorance, those pleasures and interests for real and abiding things. Caught in the flames of fleshly lusts and burning with anguish, it sees not the pure and peaceful beauty of truth. Feeding upon the swinish husks of error and self-delusion, it is shut out from the mansion of all-seeing love. Not having this love, not understanding it, men institute innumerable reforms which involve no inward sacrifice, and each imagines that his reform is going to right the world forever, whilst he himself continues to propagate evil by engaging in it in his own heart. That only can be called reform which tends to reform the human heart. For all evil has its rise there, and not until the world, ceasing from selfishness and party strife, has learned the lesson of divine love, will it realize the golden age of universal blessedness. Let the rich cease to despise the poor, and the poor to condemn the rich. Let the greedy learn how to give, and the lustful how to grow pure. Let the partisan cease from strife, and the uncharitable begin to forgive. Let the envious endeavor to rejoice with others, and the slanderers grow ashamed of their conduct. Let men and women take this course, and lo, the golden age is at hand. He, therefore, who purifies his own heart is the world's greatest benefactor. Yet, though the world is, and will be for many ages to come, shut out from that age of gold, which is the realization of selfless love, you, if you are willing, may enter it now by rising above your selfish self. If you will pass from prejudice, hatred, and condemnation to gentle and forgiving love. And we'll just take a quick break to ponder that.
All right, welcome back to the Mystic Show. And that little piece of music was another one that I made. That that one is only like a week old or two weeks old. I think we played it on the last episode as well. So that was, you know, I mean, every time we read from James Allen, I'm always saying, well, that was an amazing reading. Um, and I really think it was. Um, a couple points that really impacted me on that one is um, in the first paragraph that we read from, he says, uh, men clinging to self and to the comfortless shadows of evil are in the habit of thinking of divine love as something belonging to a God who is out of reach as something outside themselves. And this is so rampant in my experience, right? I think religion has given us this idea that God is in heaven and, you know, God's looking down upon us, right? He's watching us from up there, right? And this is one of the fundamental differences between religion and spirituality, because even James Allen admits that divine love is in your heart. And that's one thing spirituality says too. Divine love is already inside you. You don't have to look outside. I mean, that's that's a powerful point. I think it needs to be that needs to be talked about. <laughs> right? I mean, how many people walking down the street or walking in the mall or at work? I mean, do you ever just go to someone's desk at work or or talk to one of your friends on the phone and say, hey, let's talk about the divine love that's in our hearts. Right? No one does that. But that's the most important part of you. That's why you're alive. That's your connection to divinity. That's where you get all the power to be alive. Comes from that. Yet we ignore it. So that's spirituality. Then he ta- he gives an answer, which was powerful. I mean, you probably caught it. He says, but how may one attain to this sublime realization? The answer which truth has always given and will ever give to this question is empty thyself and I will fill thee. Empty thyself and I will fill thee. Think about that. You know, we're so used to, and especially in the modern world, we need more. We need more knowledge. We need more things. We need more. We need to accrue and amass all kinds of stuff, <laughs> all kinds of clutter. Not only clutter in our houses and at work, but clutter in our minds. And he says, how do we come to realize this selfless love or divine love? And the answer is, and will always be, Empty thyself, and I will fill thee. And that totally rhymed, but I didn't try to rhyme it. That just, (laughs) it just happened. So empty thyself, what does that mean? So in, in the practice I do, we do something called cleaning, where you clean off all that junk so you're more pure. I'm, you know, I don't know of any other practices that have a cleaning element like that, Um, but that's the idea is to get rid of all this stuff that you're carrying. Um, so that might be one for you to think about and meditate on. 
What does it mean to empty thyself and I will fill thee? And how will he fill thee? (laughs) That's the next question, right? So the next part of this reading that I really was um, happy to read and, and I thought it was a great idea. It was this whole idea that our chains are self-forged. Let me find it right here. Yeah. There is no arbitrary power in the universe and the strongest chains of fate by which men are bound are self-forged. Men are chained to that which causes suffering because they desire to be so, because they love their chains. So I think a lot of us humans alive on earth right now, we feel this way. Sometimes we feel like I'm suffering and I'm being punished for something and and all this, right? And why am I suffering? But clearly, James Allen says, and the masters say, that we create our own suffering. You know, we planted the seed. We've planted a lot of seeds, actually. And now we're reaping the harvest. So, you know, which on one, see, to me, that's a very uplifting idea because now it's up to me. I know if I sow the right seeds, my life will become divine and blissful. And I'll achieve my, the highest spiritual goal available to human beings because I'm the one planting the seeds. So to me, I, it's just, it's uplifting. You know, it, it might seem like, oh, that's a big responsibility, but that's just the way it is. There's no, there's no getting away from it. You know, we create our own lives. There's no fate, you know, in terms of chance or anything like that. So the other part that I really liked was that he actually talks about people who uh, want to institute reforms, which, uh, you know, people who want to institute reforms, which is going to change the whole world, you know, some new rules of government or a new organization or, or, or new peace treaties or, you know, obviously peace treaties are good, but, you know, in the world of, in the material world, people want to institute reforms and they think it's going to change the world forever and, and cause peace on earth and the golden age, as he calls it. But James Allen says that only can be called reform, which tends to reform the human heart. For all evil has its rise there. And again, this is, think about that. We've seen in the material world, so many people try to change the world. And it sometimes does some good. Sometimes it does a lot of good. But in general, it always comes down to the individual. The individual heart. You know, like my spiritual guide used to say, you don't feed a crowd of people. You feed each person one by one. You, you can't feed a crowd of people, but you can. You, you have to feed each person one by one. So the same way, when we're looking to improve this world for our children, the first step and the most important step 
is to change our own hearts, to purify ourselves, to live by these higher values, and to make the effort in that direction. Because without that, you know, we're building all these uh, material world institutions, but it's not built on a solid foundation. And that's why it just always crumbles and falls, right? And, and by the way, the message of spirituality, in my experience, has been, you don't have to go out and change the world. Don't worry about that yet. Change yourself first. Become what you have to become as, you know, as soon as you can. And once you become that, then, then you'll actually be able to, to help change the world for real. You know, whatever work you do, if you're a highly divinized master, you actually will be able to help change the world for good. And then this last paragraph here, I mean, this, this kind of says it all. Um, I'll just read it. Yet, though the world is and will be for so many ages to come, shut out from that age of gold, which is the realization of selfless love, you, if you are willing, may enter it now by rising above your selfish self, if you will pass from prejudice, hatred, and condemnation to gentle and forgiving love. So there you, did you hear that? You, if you are willing, may enter it now. And that's the beauty of this journey, right? Every moment is an opportunity for us to be and enter into that selfless love, that pure state of being. So maybe right now, if you weren't thinking like that, maybe right now, think that you're connected and you're entering that state now. So this is just really very practical as well. Um, you know, it's not theory. It's, it's using your own mind, thinking about these higher values, changing your own heart. It's just beautiful. And, and, and people, you know, a lot of times we hear, oh, you can't change people. And yes, we can't change other people, but we can really change ourselves. I've seen it happen. I've seen people change. I've changed myself. I've talked about it on this show drastically. So change can happen if we make the right efforts. And the right effort in spirituality is to work on yourself, purify your own heart, meditate to regulate your mind, and um, and 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 hopefully find a spiritual guide that you can learn from, because that's uh, invaluable. So let's end this with this little reading from three sixty five Dow. This uh, this is another book that I often read from. It's a little book. There's one page for every day of the year. That's why it's called three sixty five Dow. It's by Deng Ming Dao. And this is, this one is called Renewal. Renewal. City on a hill, untouched land beyond. A fallow field is the secret of fertility. 
In the city, we see millions of lives represented in the windows, doors, and many floors of each building. We see excitement and the glories of civilization. But no matter how much those who follow Tao may enjoy the city, they understand the need for retreat into nature. In the countryside, they find the nurturing quality of freedom. They can see new possibilities and can wander without societal impositions. In the past, pioneers saw the open prairies and were filled with dreams of dominating nature with the glories of man. Now we know different. We must preserve the wilds for our very survival. We need time to lie fallow. If you cannot leave the city, just find a little quiet time each day to withdraw into yourself. If you are able to walk in fields or in the hills, so much the better. But none of us can maintain the fertility of our beings without renewal. And on that note, it's beautiful. I hope you found some of these ideas valuable. You may have to listen to this episode again. <laughs> right? As you move through your day or your evening or your week, keep some of these thoughts in mind. Maybe talk to some of your friends about it. Maybe turn some of your friends on to The Mystic Show. It's a wonderful journey. I'm happy to be on it with you. I'm happy that we're co-travelers through eternity. And as always, keep shining.